So good morning, Eastside family. We want to let our children go to junior worship, ages four through third grade. And if you're new here with children, just work your way in that direction. As they're going, you can take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter three. That's where we're going to be this morning. But, um, <laughs> sorry, that was distracting. I want to remind you of a very important aspect of our worship assembly. That is our offering, and we provide four ways for you to, to give your offering to the Lord. Instead of us passing the baskets, you can mail your church to you mail your church to our you can mail your check to our church address. If you would like to do that, you can give online you can give online through our website. It's quite easy. Go to our homepage, find the word give, it's right there, click on it, easy instructions, or you can um, Go not do an automatic draft through your bank, or if you're here in person, you can give at the table on the way out that's right there in the middle of the auditorium. And for those of you that are not in person with us, but you're still in person in the sense of live streaming, we are absolutely honored, absolutely delighted to have you with us no matter where you are. You're a big part of this, and especially welcome those that are um, with us from the hospital room today as well. Want to give a hello to Nash and Libby. They are from Oklahoma Christian. You, her, Libby's last name is Black, but most of you are going to remember Libby by Libby Henderson. And she and Nash, I forgot your last name, my bad. Uh, they're from Oklahoma Christian, and they spent the time with our teenagers this morning telling them all about the wonderful things at the university before we had our class. So glad to have you guys. If you're interested in a good Christian university, talk to these guys over there. And I was also asked to mention uh, last week I said, hey, we need somebody to cook for our ministry, outreach, community outreach ministry called Mercy's Gate. And I was told that uh, the Headley group, which I think is also the Cornwell group, uh, is that right, stepped up. And so thank you so much. We're always needing folks to help us with that incredible ministry. And also want to mention to you, everybody, everyone's about to say this, that he say this, this, this does not count as sermon time, okay? If, if you got your stopwatches on, don't start yet. Our prayer room is open, and if you cannot pay attention because you have come this morning with a very heavy burden, just follow the signs in this direction. There is one of our shepherds and one or two of our members that would be honored to pray with you, and we actually need more volunteers. It's an incredible opportunity for you to serve. If you'd like to be a prayer warrior, a volunteer, um, let Heather Bradley know that. Let me know that, and, and, and we would love for you to be a part of that on Sundays as well. We're in Luke chapter 3 verses 1 through 20. We're going to look only at 1 through 6 this morning and and hope you've been paying attention in our series in Luke. We started at the beginning of Luke and we were supposed to just start working our way through it but every once in a while, it's been a lot of once in a while actually, when there was a a current event or something that came up, we've jumped ahead to different passages in Luke to see what Luke has to say about those current needs and events. So what I want us to do now is to go back where we left off in the chronological story of Jesus and pick it up in chapter 3 in verse 1. Luke 3, 1. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Licinius was tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah in the wilderness. 
He went into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every way shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. And so we are in this passage, we're introduced to this man named John that we traditionally call him John the Baptist. He's known of to us as the forerunner of Jesus. He's the, you might call it, the, the, the warm-up act to Jesus. He introduced the coming. He announced the coming of Jesus. He set the stage for Jesus' arrival. But here in chapter 3, it's not the first time that we've really learned of John. We learned of his incredible story of his miraculous conception to his mom and dad, Zechariah and Elizabeth. There's a story we read later in, in, uh, in Luke of his mother, Elizabeth, who was pregnant and her story. And then we read of the incredible story of his birth. So he's not new to us, but we're introduced to him here in his very powerful ministry. Now what Luke is doing here in his gospel, it's to call us to follow Jesus, which is another way of saying to make disciples, to make followers of Jesus. That's the mission of our church, and that's really is to make disciples of all nations given to us by Jesus. That's why we're having this particular series. And so up to this point in chapter 3, the Holy Spirit has been guiding us in chapter 1 and chapter 2 giving us testimony after testimony. This is who Jesus is, the Son of God, all for the purpose that we might be brought to a point of of belief in Christ, that we might as well follow him. And so now the Holy Spirit, in in the flow of this story here, in in chapter 3, is leading us to take what you might call the next steps in being a follower and becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. We're told in verse 3, and this is through the ministry of John. We're told in verse 3 that John was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And so we see here there's, there's two vital steps as I'm following the story of Jesus and I'm, I'm being brought into this place of faith. What's the next step? And he says the two vital steps. It's baptism and repentance. And our very next passage that we'll look at in chapter 3, we'll take a peek at, at, at baptism as we see the baptism of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, before he introduces baptism for us, he spends a whole half of chapter 3 emphasizing, calling us to very boldly, repentance in a very, in a very powerful way. And I think it's interesting as we've been looking at passages in Luke saying how does what's, what's relevant to current needs and events and affairs of our day. We're still in this even though we're working through it chronologically. It is certainly appropriate at this time that we look at the theme of repentance. For I am, I am convinced that we need a bold call. There is a desperate need for a bold call in our nation to repent. There's a desperate need in, in our churches, in our nation, in this church, and in our families, in our individual lives, to hear a bold call to repentance. And we find it here in Luke chapter 3. It is my observation that there is a, a version of American Christianity that is evolving that is void of repentance. And we need 
what God has to say for us here. But I think it's also interesting. I thought, oh, this will fit perfectly with this time of the year. That it still fits into the, to the a current event or, or something that's going on. Um, in, in the season of, of our year because if you have a traditional religious calendar you would know that we are in this what is called the, the season of Lent which is actually as it came out in the paper is called a, a season of repentance now some of us are more familiar with Lent than others because of our, of our church heritage what is Lent and, and what does the Bible have to say about it a couple of weeks ago, as, as you see in this newspaper ad, on Wednesday, March 2nd, the Lenten season began with what is known of as, as Ash Wednesday. And that introduced this, this 40-day period that leads up to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the reason is 40 days for two reasons. It reflects the 40 years that the Israelites spent in, in um, the wilderness, wandering after they were delivered out of Egypt. But it also represents the 40 days that Jesus spent being tempted in the desert. We're going to look at that in, as well. Powerful lesson on temptation and spiritual warfare in chapter 4. The first day of Lent, as some of you are familiar, is called Ash Wednesday. And it's called Ash Wednesday because you're familiar with it. And that's what's happening in this picture. This is a picture of, of, of a school in town. And they were, they were um, beginning at... Some of our kids actually go to the school. You may be recognizing this picture. They were, uh, beginning, they were celebrating Ash Wednesday with their children. And it's called Ash Wednesday because you take ashes traditionally from burned palm leaves and you put them on your forehead and this symbolized humility. This symbolizes repentance and this symbolizes, as you put the, the sign of the cross with the ashes, it symbolizes a reminder of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so it leads you into this 40-day period. That's what the season of Lent is right now. It's, it's a season of repentance. And during this season, one is to, to fast in the sense of you give up something for a 40-day period. It's kind of like a, a personal spring cleaning, you could say. And I, in, in this article that I read, it talked about how one 13-year-old girl in the school, she decided that for 40 days she was going to fast from junk food and drinking soda until Easter. Other students were going to fast from social media. They are going to fast from video games, from fighting. 40 days, they're not going to fight with their siblings. They're going to fast from bad attitudes and jealousy, the article spoke of. And maybe you've heard of people during Lent, they, they're going to give up drinking or they're going to give up smoking. Now, as you know, as most of you, or some of you know, Karen and I came here from Louisiana, and we lived there for many years. Lent is huge in southern Louisiana, mostly southern, all of Louisiana, but especially southern, because southern Louisiana is very steeped in, in French and Catholic tradition. And one of the traditions in southern Louisiana that's a huge part of the Lenten season is Mardi Gras, the Mardi Gras parades. And they're on the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday. Now, Mardi Gras is basically, no, basically it is, it's French for Fat Tuesday. And the whole idea behind Mardi Gras is on Tuesday, on Fat Tuesday, you realize tomorrow I'm going to spend 40 days pulling back from all this bad food, 40 days from smoking, 40 days from drinking, 40 days from whatever sinful vices there may be in my life. And so if I'm going to do anything wild and crazy, it's going to have to be today. And so on Mardi Gras Tuesday, you just blow it out. You fill yourself up with all that, that you can. 
And then, because you know the next day for 40 days, you're, you're going you're gonna to fast. You're going to abstain from, from all these. You're, you're not going to fight with your siblings. You're, you're not going to eat potato chips or, or bad food or soda pops. Or you're not going to look at pornography. Or, or you're going to make whatever repentant changes that you need to make. And then it all leads to Easter. And then once Easter is over, it's back to life as usual. Well, we don't explicitly find the word in practice of Lent or Ash Wednesday in the Bible. And we certainly don't find Mardi Gras in the Bible. But church, we need to know the aspect of repentance that is associated with Lent is from Genesis to Malachi. And in this passage here in Luke chapter 3, we find what I'm entitling. I know there could be a more sophisticated uh, and intellectual title, uh, but it's me. Um, we find what I'm calling Lent on steroids. Something far beyond just ashes on the forehead, far beyond abstaining from, for 40 days from junk food, cigarettes, alcohol, and fighting with your brothers and sisters. We find a radical, bold call to repentance because you see repentance is a foundational and it is a fundamental foundation or truth of our Christian faith so what I want us to do is I want us just to work through this passage there's 20 verses we'll do the first six today the second half we'll look at next week I want us to look in this season of repentance what the Bible has to say about repentance we're going to see five descriptions of repentance today they all start with the letter p that's just to help you remember it better number one in this season of repentance what can we learn about repentance in this passage first of all it is permutative now just for full disclosure i don't typically use that word uh, on a regular basis but my problem was I had all these clever points that were coming together and they all just seemed to start with a P except for this first one and so I had to work really hard to find a word that started with a P and I landed on this word permutation and if you're like me I said well I need to double check the dictionary definition of that I went to the dictionary definition of permutation it says permutation is an adjective that means of or pertaining to permutation so that really helps a lot right you define a word with a word and so I clicked in permutation what does that mean and in the dictionary we find this definition it's a major or fundamental change as in character or condition based primarily on the rearrangement of existing elements that nails the definition of repentance quite well it is a fundamental change it is a rearrangement of your life and of your character if I were to take this word in Luke chapter 3 and look at it in its original meaning it basically means this it is a change on the outside that leads to a change excuse me that's just the opposite. It is a change on the inside that leads to a change on the outside, a visible change. We'll talk more about that um, next week. 
Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, he gives a fantastic definition of repentance. And Luke also wrote the book of Acts. Luke tells us this about repentance. He says, repent then and, listen to this, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. So that tells us that repentance is a, is a turning. It is, it is an, an about face, a turning away from my sinful ways, away from my sinful life, away from my sinful heart, away from my sinful attitude, away from my sinful words, and it is a turning my life fully and completely to God. Now, I heard a guy that was teaching on repentance one time in a Bible class, and he says, it's a 360-degree turn. And I thought to myself, he means it's like complete and full, I mean, absolutely. But I don't think he's got that correct in the 360 degree term because God, I'm living in this way. I'm, I'm sinning in my heart and my attitudes and my actions. Lord, I turn to you. I'm sorry for all that I've done. And here I am 360 degrees back, Lord, and, and back in my sinful ways, back in my selfish ways. God, I am so absolutely sorry for all that I've done in my life. I repent of all those things. And here I am back again. This sounds like a lot of our lives, doesn't it? And here we are back into our selfish, sinful ways. And then God, for the next 40 days I commit these things to you it's Easter I'm done I'll see you next year and here I am off again back to life as usual it's permutative it's a 180 degree turn you get that it is walking in my own selfish sinful ways and I turn I make a fundamental change and I maintain and I sustain a walk that is following after the will of God that is a definition of repentance say it with me repentance is permutative Let's do it again. Repentance is permutative. I mean, you come to the church to learn the Bible and you're increasing your vocabulary, all right? Permutative. I'll give that one to you for free. Secondly, we see in this passage that repentance is prophesied. Repentance is prophesied. Now, you notice that here in verses 4 through 6 that Luke is quoting the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. And there's two things I really want us to notice from this prophecy. First of all, from this prophecy in Isaiah, it shows us that the message and the ministry of John the Baptist was well defined by God long before that young man was ever born. That's what this prophecy shows us. As a matter of fact, we also know that from another prophecy. It's in Malachi chapter 4 of John the Baptist. And Luke, we saw this earlier in chapter 1. He quotes that prophecy in chapter 1 and verse 17. And it says of John the Baptist, before he was conceived or in his conception, he will turn. That's the word for repentance. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. That was his message. That was his ministry. And so when it says in chapter 3 and verse 2 that the word of the Lord came to John, it was a word of John the Baptist to the people of his day that this is not right and it needs to change. It was a message of repentance. Now I want you to notice something that's quite interesting. In verse 3, it says of John that he came preaching a baptism of repentance 
for the forgiveness of sins. That was his message. That was his mission. Preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. When I go to the very end of Luke in chapter 24 and Jesus is calling his disciples, he's giving them Luke's version of the Great Commission, which is God's call to us. Listen to Jesus' words there. Jesus states, repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Do you see that? John's mission and message of calling his generation to repentance. Church, that's our mission and our message as well. We need to be reminded of this because I am convinced we need some John the Baptist today who boldly have the courage to get up in the morning, look in the mirror, and say, Eddie, it's not right. You need to change. Now, you would use your name there instead of mine, okay? <laughs> but the truth is, we need some bold John the Baptist who will come to their preacher when it's not right and tell them, love him that much. We need some bold John the Baptist who will love their family members, who will love their friends enough to say, this is not right, and it needs to change. We need some bold John the Baptist, and we're going to see it next week. I mean, he goes radical with his boldness, who will love this church enough to speak up and say something's not right. It needs to change. We need some bold John the Baptist in this nation who will stand up and say this is not right. We need to change. Church, our mission and our message is one of repentance. That's one of the things that this is prophecy and Isaiah shows us. But there's a second thing from this prophecy that I, Isaiah shows us that gives us another, another important aspect of repentance. Thirdly, we see that repentance is preparatory. Preparatory. You see that in verse 4. Look at these words from this prophecy. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths, every valley filled, every mountain and hill made low, crooked roads become straight, rough ways made smooth. All of these are words of prophecy found in Isaiah chapter 40. And what's going on there in that, in that particular context is the Israelites are going to be in Babylon. And this is a prophecy of the day is when they're going to return. I don't know why I'm pointing over there, but Babylon's over there. Jerusalem is over here. One day there's a prophecy that you captives in Babylon being punished for your sin, one day you're going to come back and we're going to have to prepare the road for your journey from Babylon back to Jerusalem. The valleys are going to have to be filled. There's some mountains and hills that need to be removed. There's some crooked roads that need to be straightened. So that you can make your journey from Babylon back to Jerusalem. But their journey from Babylon to back to Jerusalem was not just a geographical return to their homeland. But it was a return spiritually of the people to God. The hills, the mountains, the crooked roads, the things that need to be worked out in their journey. All represented the sinful obstacles in their lives that needed to be dealt with. So that God could take them from where they were to redeem them back to where he wanted them to be. So this is what the Holy Spirit is doing in the book of Luke. It's brought us to chapter 3. We've come to a place of belief and, and understanding that we want to follow Jesus. He's going to lead us into being baptized and, and, and following Jesus in the very next passage. But before that, we're taking through this story. The Holy Spirit saying, what is it in your life? 
what preparatory work needs to be done to take you from where you are today to where God wants you to be. You see, you see we hear this, this fancy term, or it's true. God invites you to, to come as you are. But his plan isn't for you to stay as you are. God has an incredible, transformative work that he wants to do in your life by the Holy Spirit, but he can't do that work in your life with all the junk that's in the way. It's got to be removed. That's repentance. It's preparatory. And then fourthly, we see in this passage that repentance, it's a priority. You notice here in verse 3 how it says, John was preaching a baptism of repentance, listen, for the forgiveness of sins. So that takes baptism and repentance and it shows us, man, those two steps of faith are incredibly important. If repentance is for the forgiveness of sins, then that means without repentance there is no forgiveness. Now you may think, wait a minute, Eddie, but it's a very biblical thought. Many verses make that very clear. I read earlier too in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. Repent then and turn to God. Why? Why should I repent and turn to God? You interrupted me. Let me keep reading. So that, I even interrupt myself. So that, repent and turn to God. So that your sins will be wiped out. Later in Luke, repentance is a huge theme in Luke. But in chapter 13 and verse 3, we hear Jesus say these words, unless you repent, you too will perish. We cannot overstate the importance of repentance. Listen, if your sins are not forgiven, that needs to be a priority. Therefore, that means repentance needs to be a priority. Now, let me state this very clearly. I am not saying, this text is not saying that repentance is a work you do to be saved, but it is rather a turning your life to Jesus Christ, to the one who has done the work to save you on the cross. Repentance is a turning to God and repositioning your life away from your selfish, sinful thoughts, deeds, and words that are continually a habitual part of your life and repositioning your life into a place where Christ is, where Christ's grace and forgiveness are given. And so if you're walking in a sinful, willful, ungodly path and Jesus is standing over here saying, listen, I'm over here. This is where forgiveness is found. So it's not a work you do to be saved, but it's a work, it's a, it's a response you give to Jesus to be forgiven because of the work that he did on the cross. And as a result of that, he says in verse 6, following this passage in verse 6, all mankind will see. It's there in Christ. All mankind will see God's salvation. Church, it's a priority. So that leads us to our final point. It's panoramic. There's my next P. Don't you love these? It's panoramic. Now what do I mean by that? When I say repentance is panoramic, I mean it is all-encompassing in its scope. And I want to show you this in two particular ways. First of all, in verse 5, notice this. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. Not most every. And that's incredibly, incredibly important because too often we devote our lives to God in 
many ways. We give up some things, but there's some things we're not devoting to God. There's some things we're not giving up, we're holding on to. There are some things that God is calling us to in a very positive way, but we for too long have been resistant in those things. And we make excuses saying to ourselves, well, okay, all right, so this is in my life, but this is not my life. This is not in my life, and I'm not like Jim. I'm not like Jenny. Sorry, Jenny. I'm, I'm, I'm not that bad. And so we leave things that God is calling us to let go of. We resist things that God is calling us to, and we need to be reminded that repentance is it's panoramic. Every valley filled, every mountain, every hill removed. There's no compromise with repentance. There's, you could say, no prisoners taken. That's the first aspect of repentance is panoramic. Whatever it is, it needs to be included in this change. But secondly, it's panoramic in this sense. Notice in verse 3, it says that John the Baptist went into all the country, or maybe your translations say countryside. He went into all, that's the key word here, the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance. Well, why did he go into all the country? Because in verse 6, so that all people will see God's salvation. Repentance is panoramic in the scope of those who need to repent. And you know who it is? It's all of us. Repentance is two things. It's a, it's a one-time act of turning to God when I confess Him as Lord and, and, I, and I'm baptized into Christ. But listen, it's also a continual daily act. It, it's, it's a way of life for believers who've been Christians for however long as well. Read the New Testament letters written to Christians and in every single one of them they're saying this isn't right and it needs to change. There's a call to repentance in all the letters. As we're going to see next week in Luke chapter 3, John is actually speaking to Bible believing church going people when he calls them to repentance. And so it's a mistake for any of you to be sitting here going repentance. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember I did that when I got baptized. Listen until the day you die there will always be the need to realign your life with his to make repentant changes in your life because there's always this continual sense of us getting off track with God repentance is panoramic no one and nothing left out no stone left unturned And so, I'll close asking you these questions. To those of you who are here and you've, you've never confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And this is where you are today. And this over here is the day when you say, I give my life to Christ and I want to be baptized in Christ and follow Him. That's where you are. This is where God wants you to be. So the question is, what's here? What are, what are the obstacles in your life right now between where God wants you to be and where you are right now? What are the valleys that need to be filled in? 
What are the hills and mountains that need to be removed? What does repentance look like for you? Basically, the same questions for those of us who are believers. For however long you've been a Christian, this is where God is calling you, and you know it. This is where he wants you to be. But This is where you've been. Way, 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 way too long. What's here? What is it that's coming and you're allowing to come between where God wants you to be and where you are today? What are the valleys in your life that need to be filled? What are the mountains and hills that need to be removed? What does repentance look like for you? And what are you going to do about it? God wants to take us in incredible places. Let's, let's pray. Stand together and let's pray and ask God to answer that question for us. Father, I have spoken in, in general terms, but I have not pointed fingers at any individual. I'm going to let you do that now. But the Holy Spirit, you, you convict us so well. Would you speak to each one of us, regardless of where we are on this journey of faith, whether we're believers who've devoted our lives to you or whether we're not. And help us to see what these words mean to us in very individual and personal and practical ways. God, let our ears hear this call to repentance and let that call seep down into our hearts and let it bear fruit of change on the inside that will bear fruit on the outside. We come to you now in this time of prayer. If you know someone here that is, as we sing this song in prayer, if you know someone here that needs a hug or needs your encouragement or needs your prayer, I want to encourage you now to go to them. Um, if, you are, if you are that person, to reach out to one of our shepherds or someone close by. We want to spend this time in prayer. And for those of you that are live streaming, um, you, you're more than welcome to text or email one of us or call one of us and say, would you please pray with me? Let's go before God now in prayer. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.